Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Welcome to the UNH Wildcast, the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. And now, here's your host, Mike Murphy. Hello again, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil. I'm Mike Murphy. I am your friend. And you have found the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. So whether you stumbled here by accident or are a regular listener, welcome. Episode number 22 on our way to 1 million served. Quick thank you for downloading, following, Sending feedback if you ever wanted to, you can do so at mike.murphy at unh.edu. That email address again, mike.murphy at unh.edu. Look at the calendar. We're starting the month of May. What does May mean around the UNH campus? Simple. Commencement, graduation, endings, and new beginnings. We've had our share of goodbyes in UNH Athletics. Brenda Mullaney. I'm not resting until you come on the Wildcast and tell that amazing story. So we pay the proper respects to those who move on to greater opportunities, our coaches, our student-athletes, heck, even some big-name administrators. But today's special five-star episode is near and dear to my heart because it's about students. Not student-athletes. They get their due, that's for sure. But students who have worked with me, with my team, UNH Athletics, External relations, communications, marketing, wildcat productions, photography. We have so many different names, different things we do. But the fact is, none of it is possible without a lot of students who volunteer their time as interns. Some make it as hourly employees. Don't worry, they don't make much money. Believe you me, I make sure of that. And some of them, let's face it, they go through the years, I forget them, you know, and Like in any walk of life, you have so many. Some come in, they punch the clock, they move on. But there's others, others who stand out, and they become much more than just student interns. They're really a part of your team. And as much fun as I have telling stories of our athletes and coaches and teams in general, and we'll continue down that path as long as the Wildcast, powered by Unitil, lives and breathes, as much fun as that is, it's episodes like today that are even more personal You know, as a dad, a father of a daughter who graduated from UNH in 2019, I tend to bond with the kids, young adults, who say they want to work in sports. You know, they find the courage somehow to come to our office, call, send emails. Somehow they come in, share their dreams, come meet the wacky characters that work in the field house. And believe me, we have some wacky folks. You think I'm the craziest. You're probably right, but there's others who aren't far off. But these students who... Figure that out. They can contribute in some big ways, and you get used to seeing them form relationships. You feel ownership and pride as you see them grow professionally until, as is the point of college, especially 
One is special as the University of New Hampshire. It's time to let them go. Prepare them for what comes next. And that's why May, graduation, commencement, it's time to say fly, birdies, fly. So I have that same kind of melancholy feeling I had when Katerina Ann Murphy, now Doucette, enjoyed her four years, went on to the workforce in 2019, cherished her time at UNH, but has done so much more after leaving. So now today we share the stories of two others, not daughters of mine, but still great young women who made an impact with UNH and will no doubt do the same when they go on. And their stories are different as well, which I think you'll find fascinating. First up, we have Natalie Norrie. Natalie has become world famous as a TV personality. She's covered our men's hockey and football programs for years. And I mean it, for years. I think more than a few people are surprised right now to hear me say she's been an undergraduate student all this time and is a graduating member of the class of 2021. Natalie with a huge professional opportunity that has caused her to already leave campus. Now She hasn't dropped out. Thanks to the COVID world, being remote means you can finish your curriculum anywhere in the world. And she'll tell you about the one in-person class and that professor, a guy named Sean McDonald, who has helped her make sure she can graduate on time and still pursue this new TV opportunity elsewhere. And after we talk with Natalie, we then will talk to China Wong. China from the class of 2018 from Lee, New Hampshire. Now, her story took her away from campus until the pandemic affected her career arc. And so it was by happenstance that China came back into the UNH athletics fold of this season. And if you get the picture, yes, picture is a pun fully intended. You're going to find out China's a fantastic photographer. She honed her skills as an undergrad and then worked in the field in sports. She was pursuing that dream, and then COVID shut things down. But funny how things can work out. After coming back, China was part of the magical ride that included our hockey season and most recently, the men's soccer run to the America East Championship. And China's about to take off again and wait until you hear what her next big opportunity is. And you're also going to find out a secret Instagram account that was really popular around these parts back when China was a student. She never gave away that it was her running this account. But darn it, we're going to give it away right here today on the UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil. It's all about one chapter ending and another chapter beginning as the academic school year winds down on this week's UNH Wildcast. It is bittersweet when you say goodbye, but you're excited for the person who's leaving. So May, it's graduation time, and now we have a graduating student. And I think our audience probably is surprised, at least some of them, to find out that you are still a student here at UNH. But Natalie Nori makes her debut on the UNH Wildcast, and she's headed out to a state in the Midwest. I won't spoil it. I will let Natalie do that. But first... A hello and welcome to the UNH Wildcast. This is a five-star podcast, so congratulations on being here. <laughs> Thank you, Murph. It is a five-star podcast, as we were just talking about. It's one thing to get to senior year and get a job, but it's another to finally get the invite on the podcast. So I'm, I'm fortunate to be here. Thank you for the invite. And yeah, I'm going out to Duluth, Minnesota. So that's going to be quite a culture change, but I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I remember where I was because this show is about me. I was in President Dean's suite at Wildcat Stadium. He wasn't there. It wasn't a game day when my phone rang and it was Natalie Nori not too long ago calling me excitedly with the news. So thank you for sharing it with me. But Duluth, Minnesota, tell us about what you'll be doing out there. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Duluth, Minnesota. It's going to be, it's interesting. I mean, since the past four years have been college hockey for me, kind of all about college hockey with you, Murph. Um, yeah, it makes sense to go out to a place that's the state of hockey. So Duluth has invited me to come out and work for Fox 21, the news station. Um, and I'm going to be doing sports reporting. I'll be doing some news. I'll be doing some anchoring. Like uh, I'll get my anchorman vibes on out there. But <laughs> predominantly, they want me to be their sports contact for the hockey season because we've got Minnesota Duluth about two minutes from the station. So it's going to be kind of nice to get out there and work with the same stuff that I've been doing and just kind of do it with a new group of people in a new area that I can kind of explore while I'm out there. So I'm excited. And uh, yeah, I mean, I literally I leave tomorrow, Wednesday. So it's going to be really, really fast from here on out. We had to get you before you became too big to answer our calls. So this is a huge time <laughs> for us as you're still technically on the UNH campus as we speak. But I've told this story a million times to a million different people. I want to hear it directly from you, though. I've used you as an example of somebody who as a student showed up in our office, wanting to get involved with UNH Wildcat Productions, and you really did get involved, which we'll go into, but take us back to when you first found out about us. You reached out to me specifically, and we set up a meeting. So going back, it was a while ago, because you weren't even in college yet. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. I guess I, I really didn't like high school. Um, I always kind of felt a little, little further, um, I don't know, motivated to get ahead and to just kind of get out of that scene. Um, so I remember my senior year in high school, I got an email from UNH after I'd been accepted. Um, and I applied for this, this fan advisory board. And I tried everything that I could to kind of get my feet into the UNH athletics uh, department. And I think my mom actually sent me an Instagram post saying like, Hey, if you want an internship with communication, reach out to Mike Murphy. And sure enough, I think I reached out to you in May. I still have the email somewhere where I called you Mr. Murphy, which is so out of character for anyone who deals with you. But yeah, it's all, it's all Murph, but uh, hello, Mr. Murphy. My name is Natalie Nori. I'm a, I'm a high schooler and I'm, you know, looking to get into it. And, um, you know, from there, I just, you know, got to UNH here and I said, Hey, Hey Murph, can we set up a meeting? I think it was about a week or two. I think might've been freshman orientation weekend that I actually came in the office midday and talked to you. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, so having a conversation with you kind of, I guess, directed me a little bit further, but I remember Ben walking in and he was holding the ESPN microphone at the time. Do you remember this? And <laughs> you were like, here, give the, give the microphone to Natalie. And I just held on to it for probably five minutes while you guys had a conversation. And it just like, I don't know, it just felt right. It was cool. Um, but yeah, from there, you know, just got involved with hockey. Uh, their first game was Guelph, I want to say. It was an exhibition game. I did my first post-game report uh, when I was 18. Um, did my first live television hit when I was 19. And the rest is history. I just, yeah, emailed you when I was a senior in high school, got here and took off with it, so... So when you walked in the office, you didn't even know that being on TV was what you wanted to do. Ben Gilbert, the director of UNH Wildcat Productions, walking in during the course of the conversation is what led you in that direction? 
Well, I think we were talking and I said, I don't really know what I want to do, but I love hockey. I love talking about hockey. And, you know, I think you probably said something that was, Hey, does this ever interest you doing a post-game report or working on video? And I said, yeah, I would definitely give it a try. And then Ben just happened to walk in preparing for an ESPN broadcast. And I think holding the microphone there kind of sparked my attention to that direction. And yeah, I kind of just, the conversation with you was to figure out, you know, where I should go from being a freshman and wanting to get involved. And then from there kind of directed me right into video production and broadcast. And I'll tell you coming in, I had no idea what broadcast was like, what video production was like, all the skills that I was going to have to develop over time. But yeah, it was that meeting that kind of, I was like, Hey Murph, I just want to talk to you and figure out, you know, where I should go from here. And, you know, you kind of helped correct me. So I would say that that was probably one of the most impactful meetings I ever had at UNH. To me, the most important part of that entire meeting, and this is why I said it before, I've told this story a million times, is that at the end of our conversation, which went very well, you said, so is your recommendation that I should come back next year when I'm a sophomore? And I said, <laughs> no, you should come back next week uh, because there's, and I hope a lot of pers- per- prospective students are listening here because it's all, you know, they always say get involved when you go to college, right? They'll say you should get involved, do things. There's no better time than the present to get involved. And I think what set you on the road to success is that you took the chance right away, even not completely knowing, because who knows what they want to do when they first get to college. But you did show up that next week and just kind of plunge yourself into the world of TV production. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that. I said, you know, should I come back next year? And you you said that exactly, or like come back yesterday. You should start yesterday or something that prompt. And I think I did show up that next week. And my first day on the job was homecoming, homecoming football game. And I was shadowing sideline Jackie Mundry and being sideline, being involved in the action. It just really instilled this like fire inside me. Like, hey, this this is where I want to be for sure. Uh, so it was pretty funny. It happened. I think, you know, quick must be my style because I came right into college and I got right into it. And before I'm even graduating college, I'm heading out to start a new job. So, um, yeah, it happened pretty quickly. But, yeah, you know, people shouldn't be afraid to jump right in because, you know, you learn the most when you're out of your comfort zone. Uh, So that's I think that's kind of what I've tried to do and what I'm still trying to do. So, yeah, it was a pretty interesting start to the career, I'd say. (laughs) And I didn't know you didn't like high school, but you did like college. (laughs) You like college, right? I loved college. Yeah. High school, it just kind of felt like I was stuck sometimes because I was always so ready to kind of get going with my life. And I, you know, I grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire. So I was like, kind of just want to get out of here and explore a bit. So when UNH became a possibility, I had watched UNH sports since I was 14, 15. So getting here was kind of the ultimate goal. And then, yeah, I was ready to go senior year and then finally got out here and just, just took off with it where I could. So yeah. High school was kind of, yeah, but, you know, college was definitely what I hoped it would be. And I'd almost forgotten this aspect of it, but you mentioned it in passing. The Fan Advisory Board was a brand new <laughs> initiative that UNH Athletics was undergoing that particular fall when you came as a freshman. And people were selected at random. Hundreds applied. We took out the names, we being the external relations department and some people who don't work here anymore, but All of a sudden, like less than a week after I met you in my office, you were there as somebody who was selected at random, not at random necessarily, because we're looking for a different cross section, people who are season ticket members, people who lived in town, who had never been to a game, 
but you were chosen. So tell us a little bit about why you think you were selected because you had some UNH fandom in your background before getting to campus. Yeah, that was a really, really funny experience for me because I remember I, I was in high school when I got this email and I was like, ooh, you know, a fan advisory board. That may, might be kind of cool to get um, inside access to games and being a fan when I get there. So I filled out this questionnaire that basically just asked me why I want to be a part of UNH athletics and what got me interested. And obviously I had genuine answers being from New Hampshire growing up looking at athletics and that first meeting I was, I felt so out of place because I show up. I mean, I was 18, I was in jeans, a t-shirt converse walking into this meeting and everyone was in suits and ties and there were nameplates laminated for people there. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong place. And then I happened to see you and it was kind of like, oh, a familiar face. Okay, cool. And I think, I think I might've sat next to you or near you just comfort purposes. And then it was just funny because everyone, everyone was like, what are you doing here <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I was kind of selected at random. I remember John Danos mentioned that, you know, nobody, everyone who applied their identity wasn't released. So they, they selected people based on answers. So I guess I had some pretty, pretty cool answers if they selected me, but yeah, I felt completely out of place. I think people had about, I don't know, at least 15 years on me there. <laughs> so it was interesting. It was a funny experience. <laughs> And it didn't take you long to be part of that group. We would meet periodically. What, what do you recall? What were your takeaways? Because it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain, right? Because you go as a fan, but then you learn about the business side and what it means to work in UNH athletics. Yeah, people there represented marketing and social media and communication. And then there are season ticket holders who had tickets for 30 years. And for me, it was actually pretty eye-opening to see that side of things. Because as I said, coming in, I had no idea what the department was about, what uh, UNH Athletics was about. And this meeting, this group actually kind of helped me take that inside look. And what was so funny about it is I think we met maybe four or five times over the span of two years. And I felt myself becoming more comfortable with sharing my opinions and giving feedback on the student side of things. So I quickly kind of found my role being like the student rep, a part of the board. And for me, I kind of saw how much confidence I was able to gain through it. Because as I said, my first meeting, I was out of place. I was nervous didn't really know what was going on by the last meeting. I was there having conversations and laughing with people that I would call friends. So it was cool to see the confidence and the growth that happened through that experience. But it was also interesting to see the business side of things and how much thought goes into fan engagement and making it a good experience for people to come to games. And over those two years, going back to your career aspirations, you're working under Ben Gilbert and UNH Wildcat Productions because yes, I might've been there at the initial meeting, but after that you went under his tutelage. And there've been a lot of people and some very good like yourself who've been on camera speaking, but you were told to really advance in this business. You have to learn all elements of it. How quickly did you embrace that learning how to edit your own piece, shoot the film, create packages and, and do all the stuff. In a, but people don't even understand listening right now, the hours you had to spend on your own for no money just to get better at all elements of your job. Yeah, that's that's funny. You mentioned the, the no pay thing. It was, hey, if you want this internship, you got to be willing to work and learn for free, basically. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm 
prepared to get any experience that I can. I really didn't know that I was going to have to edit and produce, but video production has always kind of been something I was interested. There's always iMovie when I was younger, so I'd always play around with that. Um, so when I got here and they said post-game report, post-game edit, I had no idea what I was doing. And I sat down with uh, people like Andrew Chow and Chandler McKenzie and Brian Dunn. And they all, they all kind of laid it out for me. But the learning in this industry really came from doing it yourself. And that's where a lot of the long nights came in where I was losing footage and a game would end at nine, go to press conference, 930, uh, finish filming by like 10, 30, 11. And I would be here till about one, one in the morning, calling my mom crying periodically because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to bother anyone. I was afraid to ask, but it was a pretty harsh learning experience, but because it happened that way, I value the experience so much more because I, you know, I went through a lot to learn things and I did it on my own and I had leadership from Ben and from the people who helped me, but you know, as I said, I didn't know I was going to be doing that. So it was kind of a wake up call, but because of it, I, I find myself actually being in a more employable situation than maybe other people who don't know how to edit or how to produce or do things like that. So yeah, I quickly learned how to do that. And then Ben wanted to get me behind the camera for camera operating some games. And pretty soon I got caught up in the whole broadcast production side of things and in the control room. And one thing really led to another, it was a snowball effect of learning here. And, you know, it, it, I wouldn't trade it for anything really. Every experience I got was so valuable and teaches me so much going into my next level. And I'll never forget as we hit New Year's 2021, and there's a lot of us sidelined with COVID-19. Murphy, you're talking about COVID again. I know I always talk about how poor me had COVID, but I remember a bunch of us in the Zoom because we couldn't work, whether it was contact tracing or being sick. And there was Natalie Nori helping produce game, right? I mean, you were thrown into the fire to make sure we could get live productions up and running. And, and that had to be really scary at the time, but really beneficial now to have gone through that. Yeah, Murph, I think you were the first one to come down with it in the department. <laughs> first one to uh, to really yeah, feel the impacts of it. But right after that, it was Ben. And then because of Ben, um, you know, Rob Crone went in and everyone in the control room who normally works was out. And I get a call coming back from the gym Christmas break from Ben. And we had a New Year's Eve hockey game. And he calls me. It was on Wednesday. He calls me on Tuesday. And he said, hey, so I have COVID. And I remember being in the car and I just, I pull right over to the side of the roads. And I said, can you repeat that? You have COVID? And he said, yep. I said, so what does that mean for me? <laughs> and he, get right, he got right into it and told me exactly what I was going to have to do. And I came in that night for about five hours and had to learn how to route audio, route cameras, set up cameras for a whole broadcast figure out how to change graphics according to the team that we were playing. And I was here and FaceTime and Zoom, thank God for that, because without them, I wouldn't have known anything that I was doing. But what's so funny about it is the next day I come in and I'm the director and I'm the producer of the game and I'm directing talent and making sure the coaches know that I'm in charge that day. And I had Ben and Rob on Zoom for about four hours while the game was going on, they were controlling graphics remotely. I don't even know how that works, but it was, uh, it was a crazy experience, but yeah, coming in and directing and kind of was cool to be the boss for, for a couple of weeks. I also got a couple, um, 
maybe one or two ESPN basketball games up. So that was funny, but yeah, it was, it was very challenging, but I loved the exhilaration of it. Actually, it was kind of, it was an intoxicating feeling kind of being in here and calling the shots. So <laughs> I kind of liked it. That's good. Cause I like to hear when there's positive experiences during COVID because there's been so few and far between. And, and in your case, I felt awful for you all year because, and we'll go into the, your on-camera experience and some of your highlights, but this was not a highlight year. You could not do the Nesson sideline reporting for games. Number one, we had very few Nesson broadcasts because of COVID and the situations. But number two, you were so valuable in other areas, and I never heard you complain once. You might be doing camera because you were Ben's best camera person. So you're watching games saying, I should be down there, I'm sure, in your back of your mind. And you're also saying, I've got to find a job. I'm not giving my, I'm not getting updated on camera work live on TV. So now that you have the job and it all worked out anyway, and you're going to go far, what can you tell us about the frustrations? It's okay to be honest now of not being able to do in your senior year, what you had become so good at during your freshman through junior years. Yeah, the frustrations were noticeable quite early on because UNH was the first team to really feel the impacts of COVID. And every time that we would potentially have a game on Nesson, my name was on the crew sheet, Natalie Nori ringside, and then 24 hours later, get an email, this game has now been canceled. So that happened about twice. And I was trying not to get too discouraged because throughout whole, the whole COVID experience, you really had to develop some kind of mental toughness and mental endurance. So I'm like, you know what? It's okay. If I'm not getting opportunities here, I'm going to seek out opportunities elsewhere. And I ended up reaching out to hockey East and I was able to work with them a couple of times interviewing athletes and then developing this little segment with uh, commissioner, Steve Metcalf, a five minute major. And that was great because that was helping me get comfortable interviewing and kind of essentially being live uh, without uh, a lot of post-production editing because of zoom. And then alongside that, Jordan Kahn, who became a really great friend of mine this year, was play-by-play for women's hockey and asked if I would come on and do color with him for one game. And that one game turned into eight games. And we had so much fun working as a duo for commentary on women's hockey. So it, it was for me, even though there weren't opportunities where I wanted them to be, I sought out alternatives and I tried to find the positives in dark times and, um, you know, I guess it paid off (laughs) because I reached out in December to Duluth and I was just looking for information on the area and where jobs might be available. And come March, I got an email back saying, Hey, they actually want to speak to me and see what I'm about. And two days later, I got a job offer. So I think it was a pretty, it was a pretty confusing, frustrating time, but there was always something to try to do. So I tried to take advantage of those moments and Somehow I got fortunate enough to get an offer. So that's, yeah, it comes full circle. (laughs) And you've done so many things in the TV realm. What is your favorite that you've done since coming to UNH? You know what? You might be surprised, but I obviously I love rinkside. I love color commentary and I love directing. I thought it was really cool to to kind of cut a show and to understand the intricacies of a broadcast of replays and graphics and audio. Um, And like I said, it was an intoxicating feeling kind of being in the director's chair, making everyone was listening to me. And I mean, one of the skills that I have pride in is my organizational abilities. So having to organize every part of a broadcast was 
kind of where I felt myself thrive in a way. So I really enjoyed doing that. And then color commentary with Jordan just felt like a conversation with a friend. And we were able to just sit up there and talk about the game. And it was so much fun. Um, But obviously ringside reporting is kind of where my heart has been since I was 11 years old. So I'm going to pursue that till, till I can't anymore. And, um, hopefully I've ended up at a pretty good job at that point, but yeah, every, every experience I had here was so valuable and set me up for, for where I'm at now. But yeah, I think really directing was exciting. It was an exciting time. (laughs) And who's to say that won't be where your career takes you as, uh, many of us have gone different directions from where we started, but I want to go to the rinkside reporting, especially live on Nesson that's where you build your fame. And I use the word fame somewhat flippantly, but it's true, right? You get known, people recognize you, not only the players because you're classmates, but all of a sudden fans get to know you and parents of players get to know you. So what was that experience like for you as you become Natalie Nori? I was a college student to Natalie Nori, I'm on Nesson and people think you're already out of college because you're so professional. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, no, people... They, they asked me, I work about full, two full-time jobs here, being a student and then working here. It's, it's, I spend equally, if not excel the hours that I work on school here at the office. So people always think that I've graduated and then uh, telling them, hey, no, I'm 1920. They, their look, the look on their faces is actually part of the, the part that I really like because it's like, wow, you know, I can surprise someone like that. But yeah, Nesson was an incredible opportunity. It was something that I never even thought would be on the table. My sophomore year, we signed that deal and Ben had enough faith in me to try to allow me the opportunity. And it worked well. Um, I would say I battled with a lot of nerves and questioning myself and all of that at the beginning, but it ended up being really cool because it's when people start to recognize you that I start to feel that my work is paying off and I'm doing a good job. And I remember, you know, some of the parents coming up to me, like Jackson Pearson's parents introducing themselves to me at a game and, you know, saying that my work is good. And, you know, that felt amazing to me. And I had a couple of games where kids wanted to take photos with me. And, you know, my my parents were able to watch that happen and seeing how proud they were of me made me feel proud of myself. And, you know, it's when these parents and these kids and everyone acknowledge the work that you do and the quality of the work that you do, that it really, really starts to feel like it's the right thing. You know, it, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be, exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, and then, yeah, this year, I think because of COVID, it's kind of brought everyone in the community together a little more. So it's been a huge networking year. And a lot of people comment on the whole Nesson aspect of me working there, but also being a student. It's incredible to be able to get recognized for that work. Um, and a lot of the work isn't even on camera. It's behind the scenes and the prep in the post-game productions and stuff like that. So when people begin to recognize your work and thank you for the stories that you develop on their children, it, it really, it drives the point home to my heart to, to know that I'm doing the right thing and in the right place. When I think of you, Natalie, and as we go forward, I'll have these, I'll cherish these memories, of course, and you will even more for being with a five-star host, but we'd have our conference calls with coaches. We'd talk about what we think the storylines would be along with Pete Webster and Brendan Glasheen. And then when we'd be live, it was a different feeling, right? You could prep as much as want. We'd get the earpiece pre-COVID and share that and you'd be down and I'd point at you and 
you have voices in your ear. Can you describe or try to put into words? Because even I have a hard time. When the light goes on, it is nothing like being live on TV. No, it was it was pretty nerve wracking the first few times. I think the hardest part for me to get used to was being spoken to and giving me being given directions while I'm trying to talk at the same time. And that was something that I had to overcome pretty quickly because a voice would come in my ear and I would pause and then I would lose my train of thought and I'm live. There's nothing you can do to fix that. And so all of a sudden I was beating myself up on air. And then I just remember one time, Murph, I'm down there talking and I just couldn't even, I couldn't recover. And I just, back to you, Murph, <laughs> thank goodness you could pick up where I left off because that was one of those moments where I just didn't know what to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the hardest part. And then over time you get used to it and, you know, the voice comes in, you know, stand closer or hold the mic closer to your mouth. You're able to just kind of, you know, second nature do those things. And when you're live, I've actually embraced it a little more because it's easier to correct yourself on air when you're talking than a post-production where you want to get it perfect and have to redo it eight times to get the perfect take. Sometimes it just sounds a little more natural on air. So I've kind of begun to embrace the live atmosphere and the ability that it provides you to kind of correct yourself. And that's where I feel like color commentary and Zoom kind of came in and helped me train and hone in on those skills because it was live and you couldn't do anything but correct yourself in the moment. So those were good skills to practice, to get better at ringside reporting. Um, but yeah, in this next job, I don't know how much ringside I'll be doing, but I'll be able to cover sports and I'll be live and I'll be doing those same kinds of things. So yeah, we'll see how, how well my skills pay off up there. <laughs> Maybe your finest skill and you have plenty of them is your networking, your ability to network because you aren't afraid is not only not afraid, but you seem to relish reaching out to people in the business, talking to them, learning from them. You already mentioned Jackie Mundry. I mentioned Brendan Glasheen. We could go on and on with Jack Edwards or Jamie Staten. So what has you, and this is, again, going back to people listening who want to be the next Natalie Norrie, what has been your philosophy when it comes to networking? How do you do it? What do you try to do? Who do you try to meet? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Murph. You are a five-star host. Um, yeah, no, networking is the best part of the job, really, because everyone knows how difficult it is to make it in this field. So people are always willing to help. And for me, being a, I was really able to take advantage of being a student for four years and saying, hey, I'm a student. I just want to learn. I have nothing to lose, but try to reach out to this person and try to get a response most of the time you might not get a response, but you develop, you develop thick skin through the years and it's okay. You know, I get knocked down, but I'm just going to try again. Um, and I just remember Christmas break in the times that, you know, sophomore year, summer, I was reaching out to news stations. Hey, can I come in and shadow or, Hey, can I come and talk to you or just ask you a couple of questions on how to get better at asking questions or how to be live. And, um, talking, I don't know. It's like, that's part of the, that's part of the reason I got into this job is because I love picking people's brains. I love talking and having conversations with them. So being able to ask these questions and hopefully use their answers to my benefit, it was a win-win situation for me being able to talk to someone who is giving me their time, but also be able to take their advice and apply it to my work. So yeah, I mean, my, I guess my philosophy was, you know, reach out to everyone and anyone. Um, if they don't answer, that's okay. They're probably busy. It's a busy industry, but, you know, you're going to get the right response. And all of a sudden, you're going to develop these wonderful mentors who are going to help you. And as I said, 
this, this industry is all about networking and everyone is willing to help because they know how hard it is to get into. So don't be afraid to ask questions and to reach out. And, you know, some people will get back, some people won't, but I don't know. I just, I just kept talking to as many people as I possibly could, especially in COVID because there wasn't much else to do. So I really took that time to try to just build uh, my network and you know, people like Jack Edwards and Jamie Staten have really, really become, you know, great friends of mine, great mentors. I mean, you Murph, I re- reached out to you when I was in high school and, you know, uh, now we're friends. So it's wonderful how it happens like that. So, yeah, I love networking. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I think you hit on the important thing. You find that people generally want to help. They enjoy your success. And then you can stay in contact with them even after you're asking for a favor. Because this is going to happen to you, right? There'll be people who will be reaching out to you, hopefully UNH students who come work for us at Wildcat Productions. And we could say, talk to Natalie. She can tell you why it's so important to get involved here, right? And and I guess I want to move to that spot as you, you wrap up your career as a UNH student. Uh is that hitting you yet? <laughs> you just said you're leaving like tomorrow, but wow, you're still a UNH student. You can work remotely, which is fantastic, but graduation's uh, right around the corner. It, it is remarkable to think that I worked with you longer than I worked with a lot of my colleagues and you've been a student this entire time, but what are the emotions as you get ready to get that much deserved diploma? Oh my God, the emotions are a roller coaster. It's when you, when you devote so much of your time, like, I don't, I don't know how many people would want to hear me say this, but I devoted more time to work than I probably did to school. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty well-rounded. I, I'm, I take pride in that. So I was able to find the balance, but I, I think the whole reason I came to UNH was to work here and reflecting on my four years and just how much I've grown as a person, as an employee, as a team player. I, I can't help but feel proud um, and fortunate for all of the experiences and the friendships I've made. I mean, sometimes I would come home from class and I would come here and hang out with you guys at the office instead of going and doing something with friends. And it was like, you know, you guys became my best friends and we were all on the same page and hoping for the same thing and the emotions of leaving this behind and this comfort zone and this network behind is pretty hard to leave, you know? Um, but it's all of you who have really, you know, made me who I am and developed me into the person and the worker that I am. And, um, I can't help but feel very, very grateful for the four years that I got to spend with all of you. Um, and yeah, no, it's, the emotions are pretty crazy. And one of my tactics are just staying busy. So I don't focus too much on how sad I am to leave, but yeah, my mom, my mom would be pretty upset to hear me say this, but I haven't even started packing my room yet. So I got to do that all today. Uh, move out tomorrow, ship my car at the end of the week and fly out to Duluth, Minnesota on Monday. So it's going to be a busy few, few days, but you know, I, I mentally left high school before I even graduated to come here. And now I'm physically leaving college to go pursue my dream. Um, and, you know, my teachers have been wonderful in understanding what my dream is. And, uh, you know, Coach Mack is one of my professors this semester. And I had a great meeting with him about how to finish that class. And the other two are online and they're understanding as well. So, um, you know, it's just the emotions are uh, can't even put them into the words sometimes. Uh, just because, you know, you guys have meant so much to me and the department and the coaches and everyone has been, um, you've you become my best friends, you know, 
and it's sad to leave this place behind, but um, it's because of all you that I'm taking the next step and I hope to make all of you proud and one day come back and, you know, we can all go to a hockey game and actually be fans and, you know, do the things that, you know, I love doing when I was here, but yeah, just want to go out and make you all proud. And um, yeah, that's all. <laughs> well, you've certainly made us proud so far. And I remember when you were stressing about finding work and it's easy <laughs> for me to say, I'm like, Natalie, you will find the right fit for you. Somebody else had gotten a job that you knew. And I said, yeah, you're above that particular job. Nothing against that person because of your experience. <laughs> And I don't know if you remember that specifically, but I, I won't go into what the job was. But this, when you said hockey is the passion, TV, hockey, that's why Duluth, Minnesota, as far as it may be, and for people to understand what hockey in Minnesota, it's, it's unbelievable. The state and their high school coverage, their colleges, that's a great place to get going. And I know your ultimate goal is to move back east, and the city of Boston is very close. And we know that Jack Edwards works for a certain team, but let's not rush anything. You know, step one, get out there, be a professional and, and do great things. And uh, we look forward to following your career as you get out there. And I know you're a little bit worried about not knowing anybody, but I think ultimately it's another challenge for you to, to broaden your, your network out there in a new place. Yep. And uh, make a couple of friends, hopefully. I think, you know, it's a great, great little group out there. And, uh, you know, the people in the sports department have been very nice and reaching out to me already. And uh, yeah, I was a little nervous to not make friends, but I mean, with the way that, you know, I know how to network, I think, I think I'll be okay. But yeah, hockey out there is, is going to be pretty cool. I mean, wherever I go, I'm going to be a Wildcat fan, but I'll be working with the Bulldogs and the Gophers and uh, a couple, couple of teams like that. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm excited to tell you all what happens and, you know, rely on zoom and FaceTime to check in every once in a while. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a good experience. Well, Natalie, from your freshman year through your senior year, you gave everything you had to UNH Wildcat production. So thank you. And uh, congratulations on this career getting started outside of the Wildcat nest. We know great things are in store for you. Yeah, thank you for the support and the encouragement that you guys have given me the four years. I couldn't be where I am without the help of all of you. So thank you. Well, we move from Natalie Nori, who we're excited to send off to her next adventure, to somebody who came back after we sent her to her adventure. It's still an exciting time. There is truth, though. I think it was John Bondrovi who said, you can go home again, as I paraphrase. But China Wong is with us, previous graduate of UNH went off to work in the career field. The pandemic, as it hit so many others, struck China down. But yet, there's a happy ending as she came back to campus and has been part of uh, the spring 2021 season. So China, welcome to the UNH Wildcast, which is clearly the number one accomplishment of your life. But as we'll find out, you've done many great things. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I mean, all the times that I was at UNH, I, uh, I saw this podcast go up and I can't believe I'm actually on it. I'm honored. You are the answer to the trivia question. Who is the only person of any repute associated with athletics at UNH who's friends with my daughter? And the answer oh. is China Wong. She never, Katarina never got into sports, but during the course of living on campus, you were students at the same time, you two struck up a friendship. So you're the only connection between uh, my daughter and sports at UNH. So congratulations on being in the answer to a trivia question. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. I think there was one time in the dining hall, we were at Stillings, I believe, and you were there, Katie and I would have lunch once a week, not to make this all about me, but I'm the five-star host, 
And Dalton Crossan walked by and I introduced her. Oh, Dalton, this is Katie. And she's like, oh, hi. And you're like, he's like on a football team. He's like one of our best players. Do you remember that at all? That story, you had to explain to her that she's meeting somebody who, who's also a former guest here on the Wildcast. I, that does ring a bell vaguely, definitely. I, I remember her not ever knowing the importance of all the people she was crossing paths with, but like that, that humbled her. I liked that. I liked how she was kind of unaware and she just was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, but just had no idea the context of who she was meeting. There was one humble Murphy and now she's a set. but we move on, China, to because she graduated a couple of years ago and you graduated a couple of years ago. So let's go back there. You graduated from UNH, you have that degree. And because you did such tremendous things, you went into the workforce. So bring us up to date on what happened, when you graduated, and where you went. Sure. So yeah, I graduated back in 2018 with a degree in journalism. Um, and then that September, I got an internship with the Springfield Thunderbirds of the American Hockey League, um, who they're affiliated with the Florida Panthers um, and the NHL. And so at first I was just a game day photographer. That was kind of my duty. Um, but because I was graduated, I had a lot of extra time on my hands and I wanted to do more than just game day. So the, um, they're based out in Springfield. So it was a lot of commuting, but I, uh, I was down there all the time and I tried to soak up as, as much time as I could there other than just game days. I was in the office for office hours. I was doing community events, all that stuff. Um, and then I got the opportunity because one of my coworkers got a job in the NHL. So a position kind of opened up and I kind of proved my worth and I was offered that position and I was able to come on full time, which was incredible. So uh, January, 2019 was when I was hired full time. It was actually the weekend of the 2019 AHL All-Star game, which, uh, which I was able to shoot, which was absolutely incredible. Um, I'll, I'll remember that one for a while. Um, so yeah, so then 2019, I was full board, uh, full time as a producer, and I got to create so much creative content for that team, and eventually ended up even becoming the manager of digital and social media the following year because another coworker got a job. So I just kept climbing the ranks, and and then March 20, 2020 and uh, global pandemic, everything kind of shut down and. And I got sent home. So that's kind of where we're at now. And then I came back and reached out to you guys and so happy that I did because it definitely was a long year for me. And to, to end on this note was incredible. I want to go back to something you said. You were commuting to, to Springfield from, is it Durham or Lee? You live very local. Yes, I live in Lee. Yes, I was commuting. I put, I think, 25,000 miles on my car that year. Remarkable. So at any point were you thinking, I'm going to actually find a place and stay here? Or were you just kind of hedging your bets in case? Certainly you couldn't have forecast a pandemic, but maybe because, you know, I don't know why. Why, why, why commute versus move out there? Oh, excuse me. So yeah, I was commuting for the, inter so the internship part because I wasn't getting paid <laughs> that much at all. So just for the internship part, when I got hired full time in 2019, I did move out to, to, okay. to Western Mass. Yeah, sorry. I did not clarify there. So then you ended up coming home and like so many of us are kind of stuck in the dark um, and we'll get into what you're doing now, but I want to go back to your, your college days Sure. because you were involved. You said journalism was your major. You would write stories. You broadcast swimming for us, which is the first time I remember meeting you, but talk about what you were doing during the course of your, your college life that led you to what became your pursuit of photography. Yeah, absolutely. So I came in, 
to college wanting to be a sports reporter, actually. That was the goal. That's where journalism kind of came in. And I remember the first week of school, I went into the New Hampshire, which is our school newspaper. And I was only a freshman. So I was like, I, can't, I went to the meeting and I was like, I would love to, to work with you guys. Is there any any availability that you have that I could, could help out? And uh, they were like, unfortunately, because you're only a freshman and we have a lot of hierarchy, all of our writing positions are filled, but what we really could use is a photographer. So if you'd like to, to go to games and get content, that would be really, really helpful. Although we can't give you any writing, that's something you can do to help us. So, I mean, that that honestly started it all. I didn't even have my own camera. I used my mom's camera. I went to a football game, I think was the first thing I shot. Um, and then I went to a hockey game. And then after that, it just, it all kind of dominoed. I absolutely fell in love. I never thought I would be on that side of the camera, for sure. I thought I was going to be on the other side. Um, but getting that access like no one else, being on the field, getting to capture those emotional moments that maybe you might not see as a fan. I just fell in love with capturing not only action and game day content, but just really telling these stories of the athletes, right? And because of my journalism background, um, I had that storytelling perspective that maybe not all photographers have. And I think I was able to capture some pretty awesome moments at my time at UNH. And at first it started, like I said, with football and hockey. And then by the end of my career at UNH, I had done everything in between. And it was so cool to challenge myself because I'd never shot or even been to some of these games before. And to be able to go in and just use my my photography kind of knowledge and the little knowledge I had about the sport, if it was little, I was able to go in and kind of just make a portfolio for myself. And that was awesome. That's a, that's a great story. I'm glad you told it that way. So basically freshman year, you got hooked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was, you know what it was? I think it was like the access to all the games. And like, like I said, like if you're the photographer, you get front row access, you're on the field, you're at the, at the glass for a hockey game, you're on the floor for a basketball game and volleyball. So the fact that I was able to go to every single game and like want to go to every single one and have that passion. And I was going to be there anyways, as a fan, probably. So to be there and be working and be up close and personal, like that was, that hooked me immediately. You're also, I see you all the time because if you go into the media room at the field house, there's a picture of the first ever football game at Wildcat Stadium and you're memorialized with other photographers down on the sidelines. That's pretty neat that you'll forever be in that photo. I love that. I totally forgot about that. I love that so much. And what is the relationship like with other photographers? Because you're always closely identified with what you do when you're a photographer. I mean, it's it's like, oh yeah, that, that's a photographer. They don't say it's a person. They don't say it's a photojournalist. Photographers are photographers and you see each other, of course, not as much now as you did then, but you probably would see five, six at some events and probably the same faces over and over again. And then you can probably talk shop and get to know each other. No, hundred percent. And even like all of some of my closest friends to this day, Mike, is because of you, because of the photographers, student photographers that you hired. And like you said, I, I got to see them pretty much at every single event or every other event or whatever it was. And we slowly started talking and then they were always so supportive of me and it was awesome. And we kind of bounced off each other and we'd be like, Oh, like if you, we kind of would work together. Right. So if it's a, if it's a football game, I can't cover the entire field. So they would be on one side or I'd be on the other kind of trying to find this cohesive piece to, 
to give back to the athletics department of the entire game. Um, but it was so awesome to, to know when you're on that field, you're not alone and you have like a group behind you and you have people that you can go and look forward to seeing and stuff like that. Well, as you touched on, you went from working for the New Hampshire and then you kind of segued to our team, which we're thrilled to have you, China, certainly. Who else did you shoot for during your days as a student? Yeah, so at one point I, I was shooting, like you said, for the New Hampshire. I was shooting for the athletics department. I was shooting for the communications, the communication of public affairs. So the entire university communications department. And then I think, I think that was it. Yeah, those were the three big ones, but that was definitely a lot. Sometimes there was some weekends where you're working three games in one day and two games in another. And, but like that, I, like I said, that's, that's what I wanted to do. That's where I wanted to be. And there's nowhere else that I would have wanted to be on those weekends. And that's where it led me to where I am today is because I put in all that time and all that work. How important was social media to your personal brand, which is the famous word, because people get to know you right away, especially the athletes when they say, who took this picture of me? How do I get a copy of it? I'm sure you're getting hit up all the time for, for that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. I, social media was my blessing and my curse, I think for sure. Um, I definitely was, I actually didn't even make a person, a professional Instagram. I don't think until maybe my junior year might've even been my senior year. I can't remember because at that point, I don't think my freshman, sophomore year, I was definitely into it and I was excited, but I, I don't think I knew for sure I was going to keep pursuing photography specifically professionally. So it wasn't until junior or senior year rolled around where I was like, you know what, like I need to, exactly. I need to create this image, this brand. Um, and how you do that nowadays is social media. But I think making those connections and like you said, having some of the athletes post the images or give you credit and it's kind of that mutual respect, right? It's pretty cool. It's like they they trust me to capture the content for them. And in return, sometimes I got some pretty cool images because they, we had that mutual respect and they were like, oh, I know China, I'm gonna find her and give her an awesome celebration photo. And I don't know if this is top secret and we can always cut it out if it is, but there was sure. a time where you created an Instagram account that seemed to take off the dogs of Durham. <laughs> what led to that account? How popular did it become? You know, what, what went into all that? Awesome. I'm so glad this is coming up. I, I, I think I, I had always, I mean, I'm a huge, anyone who knows me, uh, sports are up there, but dogs are up there for my love, absolute love of my life. Um, and there was just so many dogs on campus all the time. And once I, again, once I really started getting into the photography, photography thing, so probably not until junior year, I was like, I just want to take pictures of all these dogs because now that I know how to take a good photo, dogs make awesome subjects. But I never really knew how to incorporate the dog photography into my life. And then I would always joke with my friends and I was like, I should, I should just walk around and ask people if I can take photos of their dog. And then I kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And all my friends were like, no, like, seriously, you should do that. Like, don't keep saying it, go do it. And then it was just one absolute spur of the moment day I was like you know what I'm gonna do this and I just started and then I didn't expect it to take off at all I thought some people some niche dog lovers might get into it but then because I worked with the communications department at UNH I was lucky enough they had a couple uh photos that they were able to post and give the dogs a Durham account a shout out so then I remember one day in class they posted a photo and tagged the dogs a Durham account and my phone literally died because it just 
it had so many notifications. It was insane. I think at one point I was almost at like 3,500 followers, which is insane to me, especially in the niche of Durham. Um, but I would just go around. Yeah. Every single day I would have, whether it be my phone or my camera. And if I saw someone, I would no shame. I would just go up and ask them if I could take a photo of their dog. And, and the best part about it was like, I did want to remain anonymous. I, my, my closest friends knew it was me, but other than that, I just wanted to like provide something that people could find joy in. And I didn't need the credit or anything like that. I feel like I just took the mask off of Spider-Man. Now people know it was China who had that account, but you're free and clear of that now so we can finally give your identity away right here on the five-star UNH Wildcast. I want to ask you about equipment as well, because you made a point to say you had to borrow your mom's camera when you started, but this isn't a hobby that can become a profession without investing in expensive cameras to move up. So how has that evolved from, from your perspective and what you've been able to obtain and and what you still hope to add to your collection camera wise. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started working with the communications department with Jeremy Kosowski and Scott Ripley, they at that point were shooting on all Nikon gear. Um, and I hadn't shot on Nikon in a while. So I was able to use all of their gear. Sorry, probably again, junior, senior year. So I fell in love with Nikon then. And then once I graduated, I knew I had to get my own camera for the first time because I was able to use theirs all the time when I was there and I had fallen in love with Nikon so I was like okay I definitely want to do Nikon and my parents could not have been more supportive and for my graduation gift and birthday that year they bought me my first um, body which was awesome and I I could not be more grateful because like you said camera gear is absolutely insane it's so expensive and to have your own gear is like I don't take that for granted I know how how hard that is, especially coming right out of, right out of college. But like, you kind of need to, to market yourself because without that gear, you're not going to have the ability to shoot the high end stuff that people are wanting. Um, and I think that's sometimes a struggle I have when it comes to, to shooting. It's like, I don't want to charge these insane amounts for what I shoot because I, I love it. And it's, an honor for me to be able to shoot, but it's like paying myself back is so important because of how expensive this gear is. And I think some people, some people look at that sticker price of a shoot and they're like, oh, like that's ridiculous. I'm not going to pay that. And it's like, I'm not asking you to pay this because I'm greedy and I want all this money. It's like, I literally need to invest in myself and pay myself back. And right now I'm, I, I'm at a good spot with gear, but like you said, I, I would still love some lighting equipment and I would love certain lenses and there's always more gear. I think as a photographer that you, there's never enough gear, um, but it comes with a price for sure. I always picture photographers like motorcycle people or car people. You look over at the person next to you. Hey, what are you shooting with? What do you, is that, yes, that talk absolutely. along? Oh, it's, it's so funny. If you're really a f photo nerd, like the first thing someone's going to say to you is, Oh, what are you shooting on? Or what's this or what's that? And uh, we always love comparing gear and stuff like that. But at the end of the day too, I think the best photographer could shoot on the worst camera and still shoot better than the best camera with not as good a photographer. So you've talked about shooting dogs, not so to speak, and shooting <laughs> action photos of, of sports. What, what other things do you photograph? Do you do events, things of that nature? Sure. So dogs are definitely my favorite thing to shoot um, outside of sports. I do like portraiture. I wouldn't say I, I don't know as much about portraiture as I do about sports. 
Um, so I'm still learning, but I, I still love portraiture. Like during my years at UNH, I did a lot of graduation portraits. Um, Katie was one of them actually. She did great work. Great work. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I have done a couple of weddings. Um, but I mean, at UNH as a staff photographer on the newspaper, I, I had to cover anything and everything like that as my job, I had to be able to shoot anything. Like when Obama came to speak, that was one of the coolest things I was able to, to go shoot that. Um, and that's an event photography and I guess a little bit of portraiture. So I pretty much have shot everything. Um, but what I like the most is definitely, I like portraits a lot. All right, now we go back as we bring us back to the pandemic, China Wong, sitting at home, waiting, sports, I need something to do. When did you reach out to us or was it the other way around? I'm trying to remember when we knew you were home. Was it Jim Roble originally or was it me even? I'm trying to remember how we got you back. Sure, yeah. So when, once I heard that the fall season for you guys kind of was postponed or whatnot, I was like, oh, darn, like, that was potentially going to be something I was going to look into, but then that happened and I was like, oh shoot, like that's, that's kind of out of the, out of the picture right now. And then when I started, started seeing you guys post hockey stuff, I was like, oh, so they do have a season. Yeah. I reached out to Jim back in January when I started seeing hockey stuff being posted. And I kind of was like, hi, Jim. I know with COVID things might be kind of crazy. I just want to let you know I'm in the area. I would absolutely love to help you guys out and shoot if you need someone. Well, honestly, at that point, I wasn't expecting, I was expecting a response, but I didn't think he was going to be able to help me. But he was so enthusiastic. It was awesome. Like he was like, oh my goodness, it's so great to hear from you. Like we would absolutely love to have you back, blah, blah, blah. And the reason I reached out to Jim instead of you was because I knew he was the men's hockey specific um, SID. So I wasn't sure if um, he had more um, ability to get me in than you did, but um, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. He's got more uh, pull. He's got more pull around here. You're right about so, that. So yeah, so it all started with uh, with that one email that I had been putting off writing, and uh, I should have just sent it even sooner because look where it's got us, and I I'm so happy to be back. So talk about the experience of shooting during COVID in an empty, otherwise empty Whittemore Center. You know what? I honestly thought it was going to be a lot weirder than it was. I remember being like, I haven't been to a sporting event in over almost a year at that point. And I was like, it's going to be so weird. It's going to be so quiet, especially the wet. But I think I was more just focused on shooting because I hadn't shot in so long that I was just so dialed in. Like I didn't even really, it wasn't as weird as I thought um, shooting without any fans. And honestly, it helped me move around a little bit more and get angles that I might otherwise not. So selfishly, it was kind of, it was kind of nice as a shooter to, to shoot without fans. <laughs> I mean, obviously the atmosphere and I, I absolutely love the wet. So I would have loved to have a packed barn in there, but as a shooter, it was pretty cool. How different are we doing things, meaning athletics? Because yes, 2018 wasn't that long ago, but now you're shooting as a photographer and I'll go back to Jim Roble and his crew and Rayanne and Aragon, the team. You've got students doing Instagram stories. We've got student photographers. So even when there's not many people around, doesn't it seem different than your time with how many students are actively doing things in the realm of social media and photography? 
absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing I said to any of the interns was to see the progress and the progression that this athletics department has made in terms of social media and presence on social media and website and whatnot. Absolutely amazing. Like when I was there, I, I think some of the teams barely even had an Instagram to see how far it's come to see the effort and the hard work that those students and you guys have put in. It really, really, really does make a difference. The stories look incredible. Like everything just looks so cohesive and so well thought out and so well done. And I couldn't be more happy to provide those images knowing that they're going to go on such an awesome story or piece or website or whatever it is so you guys it really is like 360 it looks awesome i'm not going to say you guys what am i i'm just watching i'm out of the way china <laughs> believe me i've got nothing to do with it but i'm glad to hear that the team's doing great in that regard speaking of teams doing great let's fast forward to the spring soccer season especially our men's soccer team in the ncaa tournament but they Nothing like a goal celebration in soccer because it got to the point, and maybe it was this way all along, but they were looking for you, calling you by name, right, when they're celebrating. What was that like? It was definitely very surreal and a very, very memorable moment for me. That has never happened in my career, that's for sure. I had a couple moments in, in hockey where I'd get some awesome celebrations, maybe a couple looking right at me, but definitely never looking for me or saying my name like that was pretty special and again it's it goes back to that mutual respect I think of knowing that I'm going to provide cool images if they're going to provide cool celebrations I guess but it's like having that relationship of just like I trust her like we have this they probably I don't know if they probably if they would have celebrated that way honestly if it wasn't um that respect because they wouldn't feel as like comfortable maybe or as willing to do those types of celebrations and I had so much fun with that and it was so cool to see I the best thing about it is like I didn't know it was going to happen it was so unexpected so down there I'm just shooting I'm so confused I I have no idea what's going on and to like replay it over my mind I'm like that was honestly pretty cool like I'm going to remember that for a long time. And I'm glad you use those words because that's the essence of photography. It's a moment, a celebration, but without the picture, it's just a moment. By taking the photograph, it lasts a long time. It gets shared. They want those moments to be remembered forever. And you're the vehicle through which they can do that. Exactly. Exactly. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, that's again why I love photography so much is I know these moments, these emotions, these, all this stuff is like something that these athletes cherish so much and they've worked so so hard on and off the field to get where they are if I can help capture these moments for them to remember like that's so special to me and like that means a lot to me that's why I keep doing it it's not I, yeah the photography is fun but it's more like what does it mean and like how does it impact these people and we all live vicariously through these student athletes and teams when they win so China, you have ownership when New Hampshire beat Vermont to win the America East championship, you're there field side capturing all the images that has to be professionally gratifying to be part of that. Oh yeah. I was talking to a couple of my friends after the game and I was like, I don't think I've ever been in charge of a championship game before, like full lead photo. And so I've never had to be the one fully in charge of capturing all the the celebration moments and the big team photo and all that stuff. And I was, I was like on an all time high. I felt so amazing about 
how far I've come and how cool it is to have that opportunity. And it, again, it meant so much to me. I had an absolute blast. I Sunday I woke up, I was joking with one of my friends. I was like, I'm depressed. Like I was on such a high last night and I'm, I want to relive that day over and over and over because it just meant so much to me. And like, like you said, to be able to be fully in charge for such an awesome moment that will go down in history, especially in the UNH athletics department. Like that's so cool. We had definitely benefited China from you being back and helping us with all these great events. I relayed the story in our, our last segment with Natalie Nori. I remember where I was when she called me in the president's suite at Wildcat Stadium to tell me, she wanted to tell me firsthand that she had this new job in Duluth, Minnesota to be a Fox reporter. And I also remember where I was, a UNH field hockey game, when you came to, you wanted to tell me in person, like these moments mean so much to me when somebody shares professional success. Uh, so now you can share it to the audience. What is it you told me about at that field hockey game? What's next for China Wong? Sure. So yeah, so next on the list is uh, I'll be working for the NHL as a content creator for the Boston Bruins in Boston. Um, we're starting off with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hopefully the Bruins make it. <laughs> um, but my main goal is just going to be creating content for the NHL, for the Bruins, and then whoever they're opponent is and that content is pretty much for their social media platforms maybe for a website um it's it, like i said it's getting those behind the scene moment behind the scenes moments of things that fans definitely can't see especially during a pandemic um but it's an absolute dream come true it, i definitely shed a few tears when i got the call um it's been such a long journey so many highs and lows but to have all the hard work pay off, it, I truly don't have the words for it. It means so much to me. And I, the dream was ultimately the NHL one day. And the fact that it's already kind of happened is I can't believe it. I really can't. I like how you said, I'm going to start in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's like saying, I've jogged a few times. Let me try this Boston Marathon thing. No <laughs> pressure at all, but it's just the timing of things. Your beginning will be during the most important games of the year. That's funny that you said that because the first thing when I found out it was the Stanley Cup playoffs, I was like, I haven't even been to a Stanley Cup playoff game as a fan, let alone be in charge of capturing images for it. So it, it that's where it all kind of started where I was like, wait, is this real life? Like, that just doesn't seem real. Like, that's so cool. And I think once I finally get a game under my belt, I'll feel a lot better about things because right now it's still just a dream in my head so once I shoot the first game it'll become a reality and that's so special to me and it's, it's a tribute to your work already that you got that assignment they don't just go randomly finding people they clearly saw what you did in Springfield hopefully they saw a lot of what you did at UNH and being in the area of New England uh, you know, it is the dream right NHL in Boston things sometimes have a way of working out strangely but working out in a positive way and that's appears to be the case right now for you. Oh, absolutely. If you had told me a year ago when I got laid off that that a year later, this is where I'd be at in terms of shooting a America East championship and uh, going on to work with the Bruins, like, I, I don't think I would have believed you because like I said, it's been a long year for me personally, and I'm sure as, it, as it's been for everyone else, but there were definitely times during the pandemic where to be quite honest with you, I wasn't sure if 
sports photography was going to be in the future. It's you, you have all that time to think and reflect on yourself and you don't really know what, what the future holds. And with a whole year of no sports, it's, it's hard to, to find that light at the end of the tunnel, but to have this right now, it feels pretty good. <laughs> I realize we're talking about great imagery and photography on an audio platform, but just for fans, go to the show notes. We'll share China's personal website so people can get more work, but thank you so much for being on the Wildcast. Thanks for all the work you've done for UNH and we're super proud that you're going to be shooting for the NHL. We know great things are in store for you as you move forward in your journey. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, I don't have the words to tell you how much I appreciate all the support and all that you guys have done for me. I truly would not be here without you guys. So thank you so much. Well, the best part of my job unquestionably is taking undue credit for the success of others. I'm surrounded by such talented people, five stars in their own right. Such was the case of our guest this week, the remarkable China Wong and Natalie Nori. Go out, ladies. Shine. Make sure you keep giving me credit, of course. Then make Wildcat Country proud, as you've already done and will continue to do. And also make sure you give this podcast a five-star rating, because I wouldn't want people saying bad things about you as opposed to good things about me. That is going to wrap it up for this UNH Wildcast, powered by Unitil, as always. Thanks for downloading. Tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe, they subscribe, and we'll keep moving on and doing great things. So once again, Wildcast listeners, until next time, go out, be great. My name is Mike Murphy. I am your friend, reminding you to mask your mouth and nose, wash your hands, and go Cats. Thanks for listening to the UNH Wildcast, the official podcast of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. The UNH Wildcast is hosted and produced by Mike Murphy, and our intro music is Ultraviolet by Turner. For more information on UNH athletics, visit unhwildcats.com. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.